But the reality is that if you're not your best and you're only putting 10% into yourself, you only have 10% or less, in fact, to give to other people. And so it comes back to that idea of filling your cup up. If you give yourself 100% first, then you have so much more to give to other people. And that's why I think we need to remove the stigma behind self-care is selfish. Because at the end of the day, you need to fuel yourself in order to fuel others. And it's like loving yourself in order to give love to others. If not, you're coming from an empty place. Literally, your cup is empty. Welcome to another episode of Couple of Lattes. As always, I'm your host, Jacques Massey. Please make sure that you subscribe, follow, and share this podcast, especially if it gives you some value, or there's someone out there, family member, friend, or colleague that you think it might help as well. Today's topic is balance, and I have the incredible privilege of sitting down with Erica from The Balance Theory. Uh, it's a podcast that she hosts on top of being a full-time lawyer and running her own fitness business on the side. She's an incredibly motivated human being, and although she has so much going on, Erica finds balance in her life. Hence the podcast's title, The Balanced Theory. So I'm incredibly privileged to sit down with Erica and find out how she has achieved balance in her life, and also to find out her tips, tricks, and methods for others trying to find the same kind of or similar balance in their own lives. Balance is different for each individual, and the key message in this podcast is finding the balance that works for you. Thank you so much for listening, and if you want to follow uh, Erica on her journey, or if you want to listen into her podcast, which I highly, highly recommend, it's incredible. All of the details are in the description, including the links to her podcast and her social media accounts. Much love, and enjoy this episode of Couple of Lattes. Uh, I wanted to kick off by telling you a little story of how you inspired me this morning to find oh. my own balance. So I was in, in bed this morning and as most people do, you have some mornings where your alarm goes off and you're just like, I kind of just want to sleep an extra half an hour to an hour, you know, like that's not, okay. Not like, right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I've, I've been working hard this week. Like it's fine. And then this little thought in the back of my head went, who am I podcasting with today? And what are we talking about? And I realized, okay, I'm podcasting with Erica and we're talking about balance. And what I'm doing right now is creating a huge unbalance in my morning. So there's no way that I can't get up now and just crack into what I call my cup fillers. So exercising, meditation, having my cold shower rituals. Uh, so I wanted to do a shout out to you and say thank you for inspiring me this morning. And well, Thank uh, you for sharing. No problem. And while I'm kind of in the zone of, of offering you praise and giving you praise, I wanted to really acknowledge uh, who you are as a person. I've only just got to know you, but I can tell from your podcast, which I've listened to almost all of them bar, I think, two or three. So I'm getting through them. Um, but they are incredible. And I can really feel like a sincerity um, and a drive inside you to like really help people that are listening to it. And it's showing like I can see your podcast is doing really well. And I've been recommending it to a bunch of people in my uh, circles, including my girlfriend, Thais, so if she's listening, um, and she loves it. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge you for, for the person you are and the, and the podcast. Uh, and I guess that leads into maybe you telling us and the people listening a little bit about yourself and what the balance theory is. Sure. Well, thank you so much for those words. I don't know how I can 
uh, follow through with that <laughs> now. Um, but I really appreciate it. So thank you, firstly. Um, so the balance theory, I guess the whole thing started because I was looking, I've always been seeking balance in my life, which is a bit ironic because, and, and I kind of felt it when I was at uni studying law and everyone would always say to me, oh, like you're going to hate it when you work in the profession. And I was always kind of stressing out, how am I going to work in a big corporate job and actually have a life as well? That's Erica. She also hosts a podcast. It's called The Balance Theory. So this whole concept of work-life balance was something I always subconsciously was seeking. But I think, uh, you know, like the more I kind of worked in the field and, and tried to keep that equilibrium, I just felt like work-life balance in itself wasn't an adequate measure for how people can reach that like that satisfactory level in their lives because I feel like it makes you automatically say, okay, there's work and then there's life. And somehow they have to be 50-50. And there was just so many things that are wrong with that. Firstly, for a lot of people, their work is their life. It's a hybrid. It's a, it's a blend. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to actually physically distinguish the two. And secondly, if for the majority of us who work full-time, work uh, over a seven day week will actually take up 70 to 80%. So already you can't have 50, 50 split. So I felt like that as the standard was already setting people up for failure. And I personally felt that when I was striving for that balance, shall we say, you know, I constantly felt disheartened or disappointed if I, if I felt like I wasn't really making them equal. And so so born was the balance theory, which in essence looks at the key areas of your life. So I guess I just sat down one day and thought to myself, what are the, the main areas of everyone's life? Now I've seen so many models and, and different theories out there, which I've drawn inspiration from, but they can be quite complex. So a lot of them were like eight to 10 different areas. And I like simplicity and structure, very straightforward. So I simplified it to three, health, relationships and fulfillment. Um, the last area was going to be work rather than fulfillment, but I changed it because I felt like it would encompass people who were full-time students, full-time mums, you know, like they're not necessarily considered um, or those, that I guess those identities aren't considered as work, but I definitely see them uh, falling under a fulfillment category as do careers and hobbies and all those things. So those are the three areas. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, your relationship with those three areas is constantly fluid and changing. And um, not only that, it changes between different people. And so I felt like this structure provided a bit more of an avenue for people to connect with balance, really own their balance and feel comfortable with their balance rather than constantly be disheartened or chasing some sort of, you know, standard that I felt like wasn't really realistic. So mm -hmm. that's how it all sort of came to be. And I guess that's the concept behind every interview, every podcast, every every person I approach, that's sort of what I'm trying to draw out and mm. and share with everyone. Mm. Awesome. And just to uh, touch on the Balance Theory podcast, um, for anyone listening now, that will be linked in, uh, in the description below. So if you want to go check out Erica's work, you are more than welcome to, and I highly suggest you do. Just quickly, Erica, um, I want, I'm really interested to find out a little bit more about your story. So obviously you went through a time of unbalance. I'm making an assumption there. You can tell me if I'm wrong. What did that kind of time teach you? What were the low points? What were the challenges? And I guess what really drove you to go, you know what, like I need to make a change. I need to find some balance in my life and then carry that energy toward your podcast 
in a way that you can now help other people do something similar to what you've done? Sure. Um, I guess we'll start with, I guess, a time where I felt like I was imbalanced. If I'm being quite honest, I do feel like the way I was raised, I've always really been um, intuitive in terms of what my body's telling me. And so I feel like I have quite often caught myself out before I get to points where I'm so low, I can't bounce back, or I just sort of always managed to pull myself out of situations. So I'm not sure if my mindset sort of helped me the way I've been raised. Um, but I must admit, when I was at uni, I was studying, well, I'm the kind of person who just puts a lot on my plate. Like if I have a couple of days free, well, well, I have gone better at this, but generally speaking, if I've got a couple of days free, I'll just try and like book myself out. I'm, I'm social. I like other people's company. That's just kind of how I am. So I was, when I was at uni studying law full time, I was also working full, uh, part-time in a law firm and I decided that wasn't enough. So I studied, um, I did my cert three and four in PT at the gym that I was working at at the time. And I just started doing casual shifts with them. To be quite honest, at the time, it was cheaper to get qualified, um, upskill and work there than to have the membership. So for me, it was like a bit of a financial win. (laughs) But uh, since now I've kind of gone down the fitness path on the side, it kind of worked in my favor. But anyway, at that time, I kind of had a lot going on. My parents had just recently divorced. I was trying to split my time between the two of them because I didn't want them to feel like I was favoring one or the other. And I did kind of have a relationship that wasn't um, wasn't probably best for me long term. Perhaps it served me at that point in time, but there was just a lot going on. I didn't really have a lot of spare time. And at that moment, that relationship or that person I was with really demanded a lot of my time. So a romantic that was, yeah, romantic relationship. Yeah. Um, it was one of, one of those people who just really wanted me for themselves and knowing how social I am, it just, it didn't really work for me personally. Um, so at the time I really was spreading myself very thin. Um, and it was one of those things that I, I just sort of pushed through and, and said, you know, well, once I finish uni, all this will get better. I, I really didn't make many changes well I I did end the relationship and um, actually in hindsight yes I did end the relationship and I ended up just living with my mum full-time but regularly seeing my dad so that made my life easier but in terms of like working I ended up working then full-time and then I was doing the two courses like it was very full-on I guess coming out of uni then that's when the rock sort of fell and I was like okay now that I'm moving into full-time work and you know a lot of people were saying oh corporate's crazy like you're gonna hate it um I really had to consider yeah I really had to sit down and consider how am I not going to fill my plate up so much and I think that between finishing uni which was two three years ago and now I've really learned how to you know, pick and choose who I want to spend my time with. So I'd be the kind of person before that would go for coffees with acquaintances, like that sort of thing, which now I just I just don't have time for. You know, you've got your bestest friends that fill your cup. And I just, I got to a point where I was like, I don't need to see everyone. I don't need to say yes to everything. And so I actually started saying no to things, which, in you know, in the long run has defined me more than the things I've said yes to. I have... Um, you know, just been more conscious in my decisions, but I do think it's an ongoing struggle. And I definitely still have moments today where I'm like, okay, I've done it again. I've put too much on my plate. And then you have to just reel it back and say, okay, what can I take off that plate? How can I, you know, 
just give myself a bit of space because at the end of the day, if you're so bogged down, you can't be the, you can't perform the best in your health. You can't perform the best in your relationships as a partner, as a sibling, as a daughter, whatever it is. And, and you can't perform, perform the best in your work, in your hobbies and all those things. So, you know, things will take its toll across your areas and you have to just, you know, I think really being intuitive with yourself and know when your body's telling you it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me see if I've um, kind of got the message there, I guess to tell a story and to kind of turn it into a bit of a metaphor, you've kind of got all these multiple crisscrossing seesaws, right? And if you load up one side of a seesaw with a bunch of yeses and you just say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. The other seesaw, um, well, okay, let's say you hang it. So one side goes up, one side goes down, and you end up kind of overbalancing towards one area of your life and underbalancing another, and you end up in this kind of constant state of anxiety and stress. Is that kind of correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's nice if you look at like a seesaw or a scale. You know, if, if you really want to be that yes person, make sure your yeses are spread across all the things that fuel you. And the nice thing I think about the balance theory is, um, you know, you, it's, there's no wrong or right way to do things. It just because you're saying yes, yes, yes in your fulfillment area doesn't mean you have to say yes to all your relationships just to spread them out. Like we don't preach that it, all three have to be even. I do personally think that you need an element of each of them in your life because as humans, I think fundamentally we cross all three in some dimension. Um, but I don't think that more weight should be given to one or the other. In saying that, I do think the health, the health area really is at the core of who you are and what you can and can't do and will really distinguish people who are overachievers or exceptional and those sorts of things if they're really paying more attention to their health. But I'm not one to judge and say, you know, you need to be working out five days a week because if you have, you know, a single mom of three who has to work full time, that's virtually impossible. And so her health has to be looked after in another way, in another sort of dimension. So that's what I mean when I say really like owning your own balance with each of the areas. Cool. And let's, um, let's dive into these areas, Erica. So we've got health relationships and fulfillment, aka work. I love the way you've turned it to fulfillment, actually, because work does often get a really negative connotation. Uh, but let's dive into those. And maybe you can just do like a quick explanation of what each area kind of encompasses, and then how sure. people listening could apply those areas in their own lives. Sure. So if we start at health, the way I look at it is twofold. So you've got your physical health and your mental health. So physical health would cover anything from your sleep, diet, exercise, um, any self-care routines that are for your physical health. Like, I don't know, some people find their therapy in getting their nails done or having a bath or things like that, anything physical. And then you've got the mental health. That's anything like your gratitude, your meditation, seeing a therapist, positive affirmations, goal setting, whatever you do for your mindset, that falls under that um, area. And a lot of self-care things also fall under that. For anyone listening, um, I think that, and actually everyone I've interviewed on the show has had something to say about this. And specifically, a lot of people when I ask them about their morning routines, just as you mentioned earlier as well yourself, always has an element of health in it. They're always doing something for either their physical or mental health as a way to set up their day. And I think that is so telling. Um, so I think that if, if maybe you're someone who's listening that sort of rolls out of bed, maybe scrolls through social media and then goes straight to work, especially if you're working from home 
and you are feeling like, you know, like something's missing or something's not quite right, then I think listening to the way other people set up their days and trying out what works for you um, could, could be something highly beneficial. I mean, I'm not saying that everything that I've said on the podcast or people that I've interviewed is what everyone should be doing because I've listened to a lot of people who, for example, journal every morning and that's something I've personally tried. It doesn't necessarily work for me. But I think once you listen over and over again to different things and you, I guess, kind of, kind of test trial a few different things, um, I just think setting yourself up in the morning by focusing on your health area is a really, really big positive. Um, yeah, and I'm sure you, sure you could testament to that as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, um, like you say, there's no one solution for everyone. Everyone's a little bit different in the way they operate. But I had a conversation, a podcast actually with a friend of mine, Jessie McCraw, and she talked about something she's coined cup filling. Um, so what that is, is essentially, and actually another podcast I did, John, he kind of uh, tested to this as well. You, you kind of think of yourself as a cup, just like a glass on a table. And if you take the morning to do things that fill that cup up, so bring you joy, bring you energy, bring you excitement, then you get to a point where that cup is overflowing with energy. So that if like shit hits the fan throughout the day and like your boss has been an asshole or someone you walk into in the street is just like being mean for no reason, you, you've got all of that energy in your cup that you can use to give and to understand and to empathize and to um, rather than react to be proactive in, in your approach yes. to the day. So I think that's the important takeaway, right? Like do some things in the morning that just get you to a point where you're just buzzing. Yeah, 100%. And um, that's something we exactly spoke about on episode two with Helen. So she's like a, um, a health coach. And she said exactly the same thing. You fill your cup to a point where it's overflowing. And we spoke about it more in terms of once it's overflowing, then you can give that to other people. And we were speaking about it from a self-care point of view. So a lot of people think that self-care makes them selfish. And we were speaking about this thing called the mum guilt, which, you know, for a lot of mums, they won't put themselves first because obviously their kids um, take precedent or whatever the case may be. But I think mum guilt is uh, a metaphor for feeling guilty for putting yourself first. But the reality is that if you're not your best and you're only putting 10% into yourself, you only have 10% or less, in fact, to give to other people. And so it comes back to that idea of filling your cup up. If you give yourself 100% first, then you have so much more to give to other people. And that's why I think we need to remove the stigma behind self-care is selfish. Because at the end of the day, you need to fuel yourself in order to fuel others. And it's like loving yourself in order to give love to others. If not, you're coming from an empty place. Literally, your cup is empty. So, yeah, I love that metaphor. And it's definitely something that I think a lot of people are jumping on board with the cup. Yeah, hundred yeah, um, percent. And if anyone's just listening to this, I'm actually nodding my head like crazy right now. Cause I'm totally, I'm totally buzzing on, <laughs> on that one, Erica. Um, I guess let's move on to relationships then. How, how is it for you finding balance in relationships? How is that important? Sure. I think this is probably a tough one and one that's changes more than the other two. Um, so when we speak about relationships, the way I see it is you've got your love life. So, and that's not uh, a status. So it's, it doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship. That's whether you're single or whether you're with somebody romantically or multiple people, no judgment. Um, and then we've got your family. So the people around you that you've grown up with, siblings, parents, cousins, any, anyone that is your family. And then we've obviously got friendships. 
So in my life, all three are extremely important, but I, I must say it's very hard to constantly be in touch with all of them all at once. So yeah. if this is really like a personal area and it's one that I think people need to just intuitively, I guess, assess as they go. And I, for example, again, like a different milestones in your life. So when you have children, for example, which I'm yet to do. So I can't comment from experience, but as an assumption, you know, like your love life, your, your romantic relationship with your partner would no doubt change or take the back seat uh, with respect to your children. And then, you know, the time you've got then to, to a lot to friendships might change. But in my own life, uh, I'd say probably in the last five years, my friendships have changed a lot, which I spoke briefly about before. Um, so I don't want to use the word culling, but you know, I've had to word, right? Like it, it sounds like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit um, cutthroat. I'm not sure that's quite the right word, but you know, like I've kind of reeled it back to say your top five to 10, you have your set people that you see constantly and isolation, the whole like quarantine period that we had in Sydney throughout like March, April, May really, really helped me do this because you were limited to the amount of people you could see and you really just have limited energy to talk to people as well, especially when you're drained from doing the same thing over and over again. And so it really was a telling time for me who I personally want to speak to, who I want to go out of my way to see. And by the same metric, like relationships I perhaps was stringing along for no apparent reason or giving more energy than, than what it gave me. And I don't think this is a selfish thing. And I don't think that, um, you need to be friends with someone just because they give you something back. But I think that there needs to be like a two-way kind of exchange in in energy and in love and in just support. And, you know, friendships need to just be easy and fill your life. It shouldn't be something that brings you down or, or brings negativity into your life because who's got time for that? And same thing goes with romantic relationships. So I've been with my partner now for four and a half years. Wow. And, um, Thank you. We've been living together for one year, which has gone very, very well. They, they always say that's a big test, but uh, I think he's definitely passed. Awesome. Um, you get the tick of approval. What's your partner's name? Uh, Angelo. Shout out to you, Angelo. <laughs> yes, yes he's, he's a good guy. Um, but yeah, like that relationship for me, and this is what I say to a lot of people, especially my single friends, like you need a relationship that's only going to add value to your life. Now, I'm not sugarcoating everything. You know, everything has its ups and downs. That's just life. And people are people. But at the end of the day, you just want someone next to you who is going to support you, who's going to bring out the best in you and really call you out on your bullshit too. I think that's so important yeah. because sometimes you're a bit um, uptight when it comes to what well, I know I am, you know, a little bit um, uptight when it comes to calling myself out on certain things. And he totally does that. He yeah. totally brings the best out of me. And so I think that for anyone listening, um, and I've been here quite recently, not, not with my romantic relationship, but with friendships. Like if you have that one friend who really brings you down or has sort of a really negative vibe and you're just friends with them because you've been friends for so long or they're in the same group, like really reassess how much exposure you're having to toxic people like that because toxic people are just as bad as toxic things. Like if you wouldn't smoke a cigarette or eat junk food for a whole week, then why are you exposing yourself to toxic people? Same goes for toxic thoughts, you know, like all these things come under this umbrella of toxicity, which just don't fuel you and they won't be adding to your cup. They'll actually be taking away. So no matter how much 
effort you're putting into yourself, if all these toxic things are around you, they're really going to be pulling out of that cup a lot faster than you filling it and you're going to end up in a deficit. So I think when it comes to relationships, the biggest thing for me is that they fuel you, they bring positivity and joy into your life. Um, but if you do have any red flags or elements of toxicity, I would be seriously tuning into that and really assessing why that is present in your life or not. I think what you just said there is incredibly powerful. Uh, I can already find myself really engaging with what you're saying. Maybe a couple of things I'd want to add um, that might be useful to people listening is one, like take responsibility for your own shit, right? Like if you have toxicity in your life, especially in relationships, no one, not a single person, especially not your partner or your friends is going to tell you and do it for you. Like you got to do that shit yourself. The one would be take responsibility. And another one that's really helped me actually is constantly asking myself why, like every single day, I'm just like, why am I doing this? Why am I hanging out with this person? And if I don't have a good answer, I know what I have to do. Yeah. And sometimes it's shocking. Like how many times there's no answer at all. Like sometimes I ask myself that and I just can't even give myself an answer. And I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always funny when you realize that you're just like, Oh shit. Why am I doing it's this? Gonna, like, just cause. And I'm like, it's not going to cut it. Sis, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that was actually me this morning in bed. Like, why am I still lying here in bed? And the only reason I had was cause it's comfy. And I was like, come on, get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah (laughs) cool and then um i guess the last kind of element is fulfillment so let's let's kind of cover that one a little bit uh same kind of thing you know like what does that mean and and how can people i guess change that up in their own lives sure i kind of like that i've called it fulfillment because as we were just speaking about it covers more than work which traditionally would be like your career say for example um, but but by calling it fulfillment, you do capture people like students, single parents who maybe don't work, um, even retired people, you know, like you really do capture all those people. And what I think falls under that is uh, traditional work or career, your hobbies, um, anything that forms part of your lifestyle that you do with passion for your interests, like anything, studying, you know, anything that kind of fulfills you in the mental space or you know, it kind of blends in with other areas as well, because I guess some self-care things might also fulfill you. So they could cross over. Um, But I think the big driver behind this area was the fact that a lot of people's work fulfills them and they don't see it as bland work. Mm. Um, And I quite like that. So um, for anyone listening who might be struggling with this area, I think some, some red flags would be like you dread going to work every day. Um, you really doesn't you don't thrive um maybe you're a student and you're really not connecting with what you're studying perhaps you have gone down a path with work that you feel like you just have to do not that you want to do it Hmm. um and i think the key thing here is that i fully and wholeheartedly understand that a lot of people have to work to put food on the table because they have dependence because you know, there's no other choice. Things are tight. I, I fully understand that. Like my mom was a single parent um, for a long time and really did it tough and had to just work because she had to just work. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not being, I'm not being naive or unrealistic to say that everyone should do what they love because I know that's totally not feasible. But I think what the main thing here is if you don't work or do something fulfilling 
in your nine to five or in your work. It's have a look at what you're doing out of those, out of those hours. And then are you engaging with things that fulfill you? So if you're just going home, perhaps eating junk food and watching reality TV show, you're going from negative to negative in a way. And I'm talking if that's like a constant habit, like, you know, to do that every now and again, isn't a bad idea. Sometimes you just want to veg out and chill out and that's, I'm all here for it. But I mean, like if that's kind of like a daily practice you're engaging in, well, of course you're going to feel more negative or more sour towards your work because you're not filling your cup outside of that. So, you know, if you've got something you love doing, reading, pottery, painting, singing, dancing, whatever it is, like try and make that form part of your weekly routine, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's uh, pursuing further studies or just doing courses. Like now during COVID, I know a lot of unis and tapes have offered free courses just for people to upskill, whether it's marketing, whether you want to start. I've got a girlfriend who's just started like a hobby Instagram page, you know, whether you want to join forums or socialize a bit more, go for walks, like, I don't know, whatever it is. Like if you're not happy in what you're doing and you can't change a situation, think of outside of that situation, what you can be doing to add to it so that, you know, that your situation's a lot better. But um, one more thing I just wanted to add was people who perhaps might be working right now because they feel as though they might have to, it comes back to your why. Mm. And so if that work is enabling you to put food on the table or look after your family or pay for your apartment that you've just moved into or cover your rent so that you can live out of home, that's a pretty damn good why. And you should really remember that when you do have moments of, I hate this job, I wish I had something else. Because if you're not in a position to change, you need to be grateful that that job is facilitating whatever it is that it's facilitating. And when you have the opportunity, you know, you can make that change, but sometimes it's not feasible straight away. And so I think gratitude really helps people bring it back and say, okay, well, this is actually an enabler or a facilitator for where I want to be or what I'm doing right now. Maybe it's just paying your student loan or your student fees or your housing so you can live in a city where you're studying. Like, you know, things always have their purpose and their why. And I think that's a big one to remember and help you kind of navigate through, okay, I'm not doing what I love. And yeah, if you yeah. are, that's amazing. And I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I guess two things I kind of would want to add to that is, um, like you said, gratitude is powerful, right? And in your head, like it's, it's actually really easy to just flip the script, right? So like to interrupt those negative thought patterns with gratitude. So like you said there, like if you're really struggling in your work or whatever it is you're doing and you're just like, oh, why do I have to do this shitty job? Like this sucks just flip the script, just start like saying out loud or even just in your head, like, wow, this put, puts food on my table. This gets me a warm yeah. car. This gets me a bed to sleep in. This gets me money, which I can then invest in something that I actually want to do in the future. And along, right. along those lines, like you can, it's good. To, it's really, really good to accept your reality, right? Just accept this is your reality right now, but that doesn't mean you can't work towards changing it. And that's exactly what you're doing. Like we talked about this before uh, I started recording, like uh, working on your honeypots, um, you know, like you're, you're, you're doing your career, but you can tell that, you know, in the future, maybe podcasting and maybe the fitness side of things is something you want to make more of, uh, I guess, your idea of balance and you're working towards that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think, I think if there's something you're really interested in, um, but you can't work in it full time, there's absolutely no reason you can't start chipping away to some dimension, whether it's just connecting with people who are in the space or, 
I'm not sure, like starting a little project. It, it kind of, it depends on what you're interested in, but you know, small steps add to big changes. And so if you just start now and, and kind of come up with a game plan, then there's no reason that over time you could eventually migrate over into, you know, into doing that as a passion, which would be amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. Just keep ticking away to one percent changes. Yeah, and the one percent changes are fun. Like you know, it's all it's all these little things and, and connecting with people and doing all these little bits and pieces. They're the fun part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, like one for me is like you know connecting with people like yourself. Like we were saying in yeah, our first exactly. loop, like you and I, if we crossed each other in the street, say there is a very very low chance that we would have sat down for coffee and had a really engaging conversation. And because we're kind That's of right. working on our little honeypots, I guess you can call. I love that, by the way. Um, we've had this conversation, and now we're we're having more conversations. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I mean the opportunity. It's crazy. Like, and I have experienced this so many times, especially over the last year. It's like once you open up your purview to an opportunity or an idea, it's almost like these people just come to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like if you're more spiritual and it's like the universe answering your prayers or whether because you're open to it and it's at the fore of your thinking, you then it, you kind of bring it out of conversations. I don't know what magic is behind this sorcery, but um, I do feel like once you kind of are chasing an idea or an opportunity, you know, these doors just start opening and I'm not talking like massive opportunities. It's just like, it's the, the way of you connect with, the concept or the idea or the whatever it is you're doing like it's just awesome you can just deep dive in and the beauty of doing it on your terms is you can go as fast or slow as you want yeah yeah that's uh yeah that's some deep wisdom there um i I think it's likened to just taking the blinkers off like a horse in a race right they put blinkers on so it only sees one direction not a big fan of horse racing by the way but that's my my thoughts um but, That's your metaphor. <laughs> yeah, but just removing the blinkers and being able to see what's on the peripheries, you kind of just pick up these things, right? Like when you yeah. actually open your mind and uh, your heart and I guess your eyes to these opportunities, they, they just come to you. That's right. And I did want to add one thing quickly. I do think um, anyone in my sort of position right now, so I'm a finance lawyer, nine to five, and I've just started podcasting a couple months ago and I run a little fitness boot camp with my girlfriend on the side. So I do think that when you're in this position where you're sort of just dipping your toes in a couple other things on the side, but you still have like a full-time job, which gives you financial security. I think that's honestly such a good place to be. And a lot of people would see that negatively and think, oh, I've still got my full-time and I hate it, but you know, I really want this to take over. You actually have the financial freedom and flexibility because you have your main job, which you should absolutely be grateful for. And you can be trying and testing things with absolutely no risk because like with podcasting, as you would know, it's very minimal input in terms of money um, other than the startup costs, um, depending, I guess, on what you're doing. But, but you know, like it's, it's a shared resource with other people. It doesn't cost you anything other than your time. And so you can really find what works and, and, you know, experiment and have fun with it without the burden of thinking, how am I going to put food on the table this week? So, you know, if you're in that position where you're kind of wanting to try something out and you do have a full-time job, like rather than being negative about it, think like what what an opportunity you've got that you've got that stability and that freedom to do so. Like, I think that's such a good position to be in, especially with the uncertainty of diving into something brand new. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, I want to gauge your thoughts on, so some people 
I find they argue that to find success in a certain area, um, you need to be somewhat imbalanced. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Um, and if you don't agree, do you feel like there's different ways to look at being balanced when you are really striving to find success in that one area of your life? Sure. I think that this concept comes from the traditional opinion of balance being work-life balance. So for someone to say, for you to be successful, you need to be in balance. They're probably thinking you just need to work your ass off and forget about everything else in your life. Whereas if you take like the balance series point of view, I would argue that that is what your balance requires at that point in time. If you need to put your head down and go full guns blazing into a business because that's what it needs at that point in time and that's what fuels you, in that moment, you could say that that fulfillment area really is 80% of your balance. And that's awesome. Like you need to own that that's what it is at that point in time rather than be made to feel guilty or you know, like let other people tell you that you're not taking enough time for yourself. I just released a podcast with Coco on uh, Monday. That was episode nine. And yeah. we spoke about how she really struggled with the fact that her work absolutely made her thrive. And she just wanted to spend as much time as she could at work, but she had all these extrinsic um, factors such as people in her family, um, her partner, all these different people telling her that that wasn't right. That was because it was work. And traditionally work is seen as sucking the life out of you. You know, but if you're one of those lucky people who absolutely love what they do, it fills your cup, maybe your work's quite social as well. Um, it's good for your self-care because you're releasing those positive endorphins and you, you just thrive with what you're doing. I think that that experience can really wrap up all areas of your life really well. And um, I was at an event earlier this year called Upgrade Your Life. It's by a company called A Higher Branch. So they do like a lot of self-development and they've got their own, um, I guess, framework for your areas of your life. But they spoke about this concept called um, life blending and I absolutely love it. And it's when you do an activity that blends multiple areas of your life. So for example, in the example of like a work or a job, that, that requires a lot of your time, if it's quite a social place, if they promote a lot of health and well-being, you know, if they do a lot of these things, and that is a life-blending activity. And so if you're going to be spending even 100% of your time in that area, I don't necessarily think that means you're imbalanced. I think that means that that's what your balance is at that point in time. And for you to really own it and make the most of it, you need to be comfortable with it. You need to let go of the traditional, oh, you're not you know, you're not taking enough time for yourself or, or balancing yourself properly because nobody else walks in your shoes or understands what you need at that point in time. So as long as you're intuitive and you're thriving, I say go for it. And I say don't let anyone tell you that you're not balanced because the whole point of what I'm trying to promote is that you need to own and create and reassess your imbalance and continuously do so. So I don't really think that there is such thing as being imbalanced unless unless you are totally out of touch with one of the areas. So if you absolutely have, sorry, if you absolutely have no concept of health in your life at all, I would consider that to be more towards the imbalanced side. But I don't think having one egg here, four here and six here would make you imbalanced. I just think that that's what your balance looks like. Yeah, right. I, th I think that's incredibly powerful, um, Erica. I think a, a lot of this comes down to to people having this idea that they need to be constantly externally validated, right? Like they look at, I, I saw this really good Gary Vee post actually the other day. I think I posted it to the couple of latte story, but it's uh, 
oh, but my friend is like so much further ahead in their life than I am. And they look so much happier. And it's like this little cartoon diagram. And there's the cartoon Gary Vee just like, are you your friend? And the, the cartoon kid is just like, no. And Gary Vee's like, then who fucking cares in classic Gary Vee style? And it's, it's along the lines of what you're saying, right? Like if you feel when you ask yourself why and you take responsibility for yourself and you go, you know what? Like being 80% focused on this business and 20% focused on my health and relationships is my perfect balance right now. Then who the fuck cares what anyone else thinks? Like, do you, that's right. like, that is your balance. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I just think that the more you try and live up to what other people dictate is your balance or what you see on social media as quote balance or what work-life balance that paradigm teaches you, I think you are shifting more towards imbalance or more towards unhappiness because you're not really tuning in with what you like, what you yourself need. And like, you can, you can reassess balance as much or as like minimally as you want like it could be a daily thing like today i really need to do some self-care because i can feel myself getting to a point where i'm becoming overwhelmed and so you might rejig what your day looks like based off what you need or it might be a weekly thing or like you might extend it a bit longer out um you know every few years what your balance looks like on the whole changes but i just think it's not a standard you that's ever static i think it's something you constantly juggle with you constantly reassessing your relationship with it and i think that's a that's an awesome thing it removes the pressure for you to be or do a certain thing or be a certain way um, and it just gives you the flexibility to hone into okay like what do i actually need what do i actually want i think the only time you'd really raise alarm bells is if you're very drained you're very overwhelmed um and you can look at your look at your balance and say all right i'm spending 90 percent of my time at work but it absolutely drains me, yeah. you know? And so that may not be gearing you towards your most balanced self. And then if you can't pull away from work, if you need to be at that 90% point and you can't change your circumstance, it's really about looking at that 10% and how you can maximize that 10%, mm -hmm. you know? So it really is um, a person to person type situation. Um, I, I don't think it's fair for anyone to say like, oh, you're spending 90% at work. That's too much. Like, you never know what people are going through, why they have to commit to work that much, what, you know, what um, responsibilities they've got as well. So I think it's about what can you change rather than what can't you change? And then that's where you have room to play. Yeah, right. Yeah. Instead of focusing on, on the problem, I guess, focus on the solution there. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, so this one's, I guess, a little bit more on a macro scale. Uh, it seems that today we live in a, a rather imbalanced world. There's a lot of people taking sides and there's crazy things happening on the social media landscape, which I try and stay away from as much as possible. But there is, we are in a kind of weird time globally where there is a bit of imbalance, right? There's imbalances in power. There's obviously a pandemic going on, which has thrown people all out of whack. Um, we're kind of getting to the end of an economic cycle. So there's a lot of fears and worries about the economy and personal finance. On a global level, I'm interested to find out maybe what are three, four, five ideas that you have uh, that on a global level could help uh, restore a bit of balance to the world. It's a hard question, so take your time. But yeah. what do you think? Yeah. Look, I think respect is a big one. Um, respect and empathy, I'm going to start there. 
So, you know, you've got a lot of the clashes that happen in today's world is because people have varying opinions, right? And I think, I think there's a lot of pressure to, you know, constantly empathize, like be in the other person's shoes, especially with like, say, for example, something more recent, like Black Lives Matter. Um, you had all these Western people jumping on board and, and posting like supportive things, but then they got a lot of backlash because it's like, number one, what are you actually doing in the real world? And number two, like that doesn't even cut a slice of what the, the history has gone through. Um, you know, so I think there's this awkward kind of level where people are trying to respect each other. They don't really know how. Um, and then there's some people who just don't respect um, others at all. So I think that would be my signing point. And it really comes down to you don't necessarily have to understand what people are doing or where they're coming from because let's face it sometimes you just can't wrap your head around why someone said something or you know why they've done a certain thing or why an event has occurred a certain way or why a politician has made a certain decision or why the feds are pumping still so much money into the economy all these things you don't understand um and so i think there's a level where you'll never understand but you have to respect you know, like those people are coming from a point of view in which they've lived their own lives, they've got their own responsibilities, their own values, and all of that has come together to inform their decision. I don't think anyone makes a decision and says like, oh, this is evil, I'm going to do it. Well, you know, maybe there are some, but I think that's a, a very fair few. Yeah. Um, I think everyone really comes from a place where they truly think they are doing their best. And I honestly think that everyone is just trying to do their best. And I think if you have that respect for people, you don't necessarily have to agree. You don't have to compromise your position, but you just have to understand that that's where they're coming from. This is where I'm coming from and have that mutual respect. 100% agree. Yeah, that'd probably be one. Um, to restore balance. While you're thinking, I think, yeah. Sorry, yeah. well, I just had a kind of point there um, to, to, I guess, uh, emphasize a little bit more on what you're saying. Um, it's okay, like it is totally okay to have a conversation with someone and them share a totally different opinion to yours. And at the end of the conversation, if you can't convince someone of your opinion, that's also okay. Uh, yeah. I think on a, on a person to person, it like kind of shrink down from this like world global balance to shrink down back to the individual again like if you're having a conversation with someone and they're not convinced by what you're saying like you don't have to convince everyone not everyone needs to think the same way you think like that is okay i was actually going to jump in and say like i don't think your goal unless you're in a debate should be to convince anyone um but even in know, a I debate, think... even in a debate like it's civil right like when you watch a right. debate, there's not like people like fuck you, like your opinion's terrible, mine's right. It's like they're actually That's having right. a, a meaningful Diplomatic. discussion. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think, I think when you come from a point of view and you're, sh you're sharing and you're collaborating rather than competing or convincing, mm. I think that's much more compelling. And I think that's a much nicer way to, for, you know, ideas to come together and perhaps even, you know, be compromised a little and create something new. But I think if you come at it from a, competitive point of view or straight off the mark you're a little aggressive or just like not happy to compromise and i think that's where you get a bit of tension mm -hmm. um i might add one more to your general question sure. um in terms of how like how we could maybe on a more global level achieve balance i think we really got to dial it back and really think about simplicity um 
I think a lot of the time we get caught up in overcomplication uh, and especially in an era of social media where, you know, there's a highlights reel online constantly with the news. It's overly dramatized. You know, they just want to get headlines. You know, things are pumped up and boosted sometimes a lot more than what they should. And so I think not only on a global level, but even like person to person, if we just reel it back and think more simplistically, like what actually matters, what is actually the point here? You know, you don't get caught up so much in the fluffiness of all the drama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's probably maybe another thing I would I would add to the respect yeah. point. Yeah, I think those are great. Like, uh, I guess I've kind of split them into three little points you had there. Respect and empathy, collaborate instead of competition, and then that idea of simplicity. And, like, yeah, I think with simplicity as well, like, you don't always have to be right. Like, does it really matter if you're wrong? You know, like, does this problem that seems so big and out of your control really need to be a focus in your life just focus on the simple things i think those are excellent yeah yeah and it's like one of those things if it's not going to matter in five years why spend five minutes on it i like that that little uh that's when i get like you know when someone cuts you off in traffic or something just reel it back (laughs) like what's the point here it's not going to matter in five years i'm not going to spend more than five minutes on it Yeah. yeah I guarantee that one will be a tough one for people. There'll definitely still be some road rage tomorrow, even if they hear that. And then they'll be like, oh, I remember that quote. This really doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so how important do you think habits, routine, and consistency are in creating balance in someone's life? I think they are essential. I think that this is like a non-negotiable topic because I, well, I am very, very structured. Not, not to a point where I'm like robotic, but you know, I, I really think that if you know yourself well, then you know what you need. And that's not to say that the habits and routines you might have now are going to be what you do for the rest of your life. But I think that if you're intuitive enough, you can, you, be, you fall into a bit of a pattern where you know kind of what you need, what's going to fill your cup as we spoke about, and what's really going to set you up so that you can maximize every day. Um, I think that, you know, even if you just don't have your own opinions and you just listen to people who have been successful or other, other people who have been guests on podcasts, every single person has some sort of morning routine. And I just think that all these habits and practices are really key to, as we discussed, like bring in your health, your physical and mental health first thing in the morning which really helps you just boost your soul, boost your energy and help you thrive for the rest of the day. And as we said, it really just spills over to then allow you to extend that to other people. So I really do think habits and routines as a concept is essential in everyone's life. Now, when we think about what habits and what routines, I don't want to be the person to say this is essential and that is essential because honestly, different things work for different people. Some people like to break it up and do things at night or in the middle of the day. But I think if you have practices that you do daily or or at least weekly, I think that you're on the right track. And I think that that's a great way to, or I think if you at least engage with things that fill your soul, I think that you can confidently say that you're intuitive and you really know yourself. Um, I think that that would, for me, distinguish someone who perhaps isn't as in like in connection with themselves as someone who is. Um, but yeah, I do think it's really important. Yeah, and what about what about consistency? So I, I I find that in this world of 
instant gratification and everything's right in front of you all the time, there's kind of this disconnect with the idea of patience and the fact that to achieve great things requires a great amount of energy and a great amount of time. Uh, so how important is this idea to just be consistent, even on the days where like things really suck and you feel like total shit, like how, how important is that consistency? I think consistency is like quintessential to your mindset. I think someone who is consistent would have a much stronger mindset and I guess perspective on, on life and getting things done than someone who isn't consistent. Because I think for me personally, someone who's consistent understands patience. They understand that things take time and they're happy to put in the work. And I think that if you struggle with consistency, something I would reel it back to is ask yourself why. And this is like a big, big um, common theme that pops up a lot, your why. Yeah. But for example, if you find, you know, you go to the gym or you diet for a week straight and then after that week or you hit like the one or two week mark or even longer, maybe four or five weeks, and then you feel yourself dropping off and it doesn't really you know, keep up. Why? Why is that? Is your training routine too rigid or is your diet too regimented that it doesn't complement your lifestyle? You know, are you trying to squeeze in your lifestyle into some diet framework that really isn't working for you? Maybe you need to revisit that diet and think, okay, how can I shift it to make it complement my lifestyle? So it's something I'm more likely to be consistent with or the training routine. Maybe your body just maxes out. Maybe you find it boring, you know? So I think if you ask yourself why, when it comes to certain habits or practices that you really want to stick out, then I think you can, you know, reshift them around and start finding that consistency. But I do think, um, yeah, like I said, anyone who's consistent, it says a lot about their mindset, their willpower and their determination. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess one, one last thing to add is like, it's, it takes time. If you're working towards something amazing, like it's going to take a lot of time. And I love that quote. I think it's, this is thrown around so much, but you will massively, massively overestimate what you can accomplish in a year, but you will severely underestimate what you can accomplish in 10 or even 20 years. So just stick with it. Be consistent. Like if, you, if you're really passionate and purposeful about something, stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I, I'm aware we're, we're, we're kind of a little bit constrained in time here. So I've got just a couple more questions for you, Erica. Um, no, so I guess this one I can combine together. In your opinion, what are the biggest contributors to imbalance? Maybe like four or five things. And then uh, what uh, maybe four or five habits that anyone can start today to kind of address those imbalances in their life. And it doesn't need to be four sure. or five, whatever you think is, is relevant. Sure. So let's start with, or um, was it things that, you would, that I would consider to be imbalance? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing would be if you are completely out of touch with either your health, any form of relationships and any part of your fulfillment category. So, you know, you might be someone who is a very, very high achiever in the office, but you totally neglect your health totally. And perhaps your relationships as well. That for me would be erring on the side of imbalanced. And I would, I would say like, that's when you have to reel it back and think, how can I at least incorporate some element you know, maybe you start taking the stairs instead of the lift or you start bringing healthy lunches to work or, you know, I, it really is, depends person to person and what you can achieve. But that would sort of be a big telltale sign to me. In terms of then within the areas, like I'm not, I really don't think imbalance would exist if you have 
um, you know, your foot in, I guess, each of the areas in some aspect. But the only other thing I would say was if you're really unhappy, if you're really, really unhappy or you're feeling constantly like, like depressive episodes or a bit of, a bit of anxiousness, those sorts of things, then perhaps the way your scales are tipped at the moment are not working in your favor or they need to be rejigged. So if you, if you constantly feel like you don't have the energy or your mood's quite low, that's when I would say you're probably again, a bit imbalanced or the way you're spreading your time at the moment does not serve you. So Mm. they're probably the two things I would say. Yeah, cool. And just some like real, uh, easy to apply habits that people could do right now to address those. So maybe something like getting a piece of paper and writing, why do I feel like shit? <laughs> yeah, well, you've sort of, you sort of touched on what I was going to suggest. So in episode zero, the really first episode I ever did to really set up the whole concept, I went through an exercise, which is pen to paper, or you can just go through it in your mind, however you feel. And it asks the listener to go through the three areas and just roughly write down out of 10, um, like, so they had to break down 10 points, I guess, into the three areas and work out what, what time they're allotting where. And then I think you've got to ask yourself as well, how important are each of those areas? And when you marry how important they are with how much time you're spending, sometimes people get really freaked out and they think, okay, wow, I've, I've um, you know, listed that my family is a 10 out of 10, but I'm spending one out of 10 of my time with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And sometimes it's a good place to start to just help you understand, okay, this is where I'm at right now. And do I want to change it? And if you're not happy with how your balance looks right now, that's when you can look at, okay, what time do I have to play with? And how can I rejig it to, you know, pour that time into the spaces that I do love or that are going to fill my cup. Mm. Um, So I would really, I think sitting with yourself, being honest with yourself and owning where you're at and not making excuses would be the very, very first step. So if you're someone who at the moment feels really burnt out, low energy, quite anxious, not really wouldn't describe yourself as a happy person, um, that's where I would start. I would start at looking how the areas feature in your life and how you might or could change them, you know, depending on what time you've got. Um, I, and this is just a personal opinion. I know different people have different views on exercise, but I really truly think that some form of exercise daily or, you know, five, up to five days, three to five days a week is really, really important. And I think this is something anyone can start at any point. And it doesn't have to be go bash out like a full intense CrossFit session. Like yeah. you could just go, you could just start, I don't know, five minute walk around the block. If yeah. you, if you have a Coles or Woolworths down the road, start walking there instead of driving there. If you drive to get your morning coffee and it's just five minutes away, you know, start walking there, start thinking of ways you can incorporate some movement, even if it's just doing a five minute stretch first thing in the morning, you know, whatever it is, I think that movement is so key. Even if you take a break at work and just, you know, do some dynamic stretching, whatever it is, you need to obviously have a look at your schedule and and what time you've got. But I think there's always something we can substitute to make a better decision. And you're never kind of at a point where you're like, I'm perfect. You know, even now, sometimes I, I do go drive to get my coffee and it really is just down the road. Um, but there's, there's, that's more of a lack of time thing. But yeah, there's yeah. always something you can substitute to, you know, make a better decision. And so I think incorporating an element of exercise, if, if it's something that you don't have in your life at all, is really key. Um, the other thing I would say, I again, these is all things that I've found personally have really, really helped me 
have the most energy. Um, so it is quite a personal touch. Um, but I do think diet is a universal thing that we all can benefit off a lot. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of research on what are brain foods, your blueberries, your salmon, your nuts, things like that, that you can incorporate daily into your diet. Even if it's just, you know, having more fruit and veggies and meats, less, less of this, more of that type thing, you know, and, and, in, and enjoy yourself and really just having a great relationship with food so that you can let your hair down and enjoy yourself when it's, you know, the weekend or whatever it is. But I don't know. I personally find I'll always be that person in the office to say no to a burger lunch because I'll just crash and burn at two, three o'clock. And I know my product, my productivity, sorry, will take a massive dip. So again, like just become in tune with yourself. If you're finding you're always so tired in the afternoon, what are you having for lunch? Are you pumping the coffees, but then having a massive carb load lunch that of course is going to make you have a massive energy dip. So, you know, just, just it's about like assessing where you're at, what you can do and little things that could really help you boost and make the most out of your day. Yeah, I think all of those points are, are amazing. And if anyone's listening right now, I hope you're writing this down because these are like really, really easy things that you can just make tiny little uh, efforts to change today. Like it doesn't need to be crazy. Go for a 10 minute walk like that. That is not hard. Choose not to eat the burger and maybe have something that's a little bit less carb loaded for lunch. Um, so thank you for yeah. those. Hey, no, so I just, I might add just, um, Okay. one or two more things actually now that i'm just thinking about it so when it comes to diet i think people get very overwhelmed with like i can't eat salads every day and you know like how am i going to go make this monumental shift when they're just used to you know i don't know ordering takeaway more often than not or whatever the case may be i would suggest start small so start with your snacks if you're a snacker just that week don't change anything except your snacks do that for two weeks Instead of having the Kit Kat or the packet of chips or whatever it is, start making some protein balls or buy some nice muesli bars that you like the flavors of. Whatever it is, start with your snacks. Once you feel like, okay, wow, I'm, I'm enjoying this. It doesn't feel like an effort. I've you know, forgotten about the Tim Tams. They've, they've stayed at Coles. I haven't picked them up for the last two weeks. Then you can, okay, go into lunch. You do lunch for a little bit, you know, a couple of weeks until you get used to that. And then you can start looking at different things. But yeah, don't go all out with diet. Mm. Um, the other thing I would suggest, which I've recently started doing this year is, and this is, might not be something people would traditionally think of when they think of balance. Um, but I've started an hour before I go to bed and the hour I wake up, I keep my phone on airplane mode. And what this avoids is all my notifications flooding in. It removes the temptation for me to jump on Instagram, check the notifications, reply to the comments, all these things that are very, very overwhelming sometimes, especially when they all come through at once. Um, and the reason I say put it on airplane mode is a lot of people say, keep the room, um, keep your phone in a different room, but I need to have my alarm on in the morning. And so for me to have it physically away from me isn't, isn't practical, but I found that putting it on airplane mode allows me to use it for, um, for an alarm, but then I'm also, I don't have that temptation. And that just gives you mental clarity. You know, first thing in the morning, you can just set yourself up properly. You can really focus and be present in your morning routines and habits. And same goes for at night. Like I, you know, actually connect with my partner. We have conversations or I might read, you know, I, I physically detach from the internet. And I just think that's just been a way for me to really reconnect with myself and that's contributed to my balance so that's yeah. another little thing that i've tried out that's worked nicely for me and it's so easy 100 percent. i'm glad you actually touched on that because i think out of all those points you just listed 
that in itself is the one that sticks out to me as probably the most powerful because by doing that with your phone, uh, what I find is it, it pulls you away from that anxious state of mind, especially in the morning. And also it makes sense at night as well. If you're in an anxious state of mind and your, your brain is trying to like calculate all these things that you've just scrolled through and seen on social media, you're going to have a terrible sleep. You're going to wake up the next day feeling like shit. And then the first thing you're going to do is see an email or something that just triggers that anxiety again. And you're just going to go into yeah. this downward spiral. So yeah, that is incredibly powerful. Put it on airplane mode. Like, don't need to be active every single hour of every single day. Yeah. And I think there's a couple more things here. It's like, you don't need to reply to the emails at 10 p.m. Because by you doing that, you're giving people permission to reach you, to email you at 10 p.m. at night. So if you just stop replying after a certain um, period of time, and it, most things can wait until 8 a.m. the next day, you know, people will, will fall into a habit of when you're contactable or not. Yeah. And that will help take that pressure off you as well. And I just think a digital detox is essential. And if you can incorporate it somehow into your daily practice, like I know some people do like a Sunday with no phone and stuff like that, which, you know, in an ideal world would be great. Um, but unless I'm on holidays, it's not always practical, especially when you're managing a couple of different accounts or, you know, you use your phone for work, that's that sort of thing. Um, but I think scrolling through social media, you're not only constantly battling the comparison game, you're constantly being targeted by advertising and constantly being pitched by the internet what this ideal world is. And that sometimes really takes you away from being present with yourself and what you need. And it kind of pulls you into this land of what I think I should need or look what all these people are doing, like I should be there. You know, so by actively disconnecting daily, um, it's a great, it's a great way to do so. And not only that, the the blue light on your eyes actually keeps you awake. So yeah. by switching off, you're more likely to have a better sleep as well. So there's just so many benefits from it. Yeah. Yeah. That blue light is actually, it's the same Calvin's uh, the, in the same kind of bracket as the sun and the sun wakes yeah. us up when we wake, wake up in the morning. So you're, you're basically just shoving a sun in your face when you look at your phone at night. So of course you're going to be awake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're totally messing with your circadian rhythm because yep. you're basically telling your eyes, like, it's still time to be awake. And yep. then people, like, you know, when I, when I hear people, oh, I couldn't sleep at 1 a.m., so I just went on my phone. I'm just like, well, you're <laughs> just ready to rise and shine there. Yeah, I can't sleep on my phone. Oh, crap, I'm awake again. <laughs> yeah, like, if I wake up in the middle of the night, which is very rare, um, like, I just try and keep my eyes shut. I'm like, no, you're not awake, you're not awake. <laughs> yeah, I actually, because sometimes I'll wake up it's funny because you actually have these hour and a half cycles, right? And you actually are waking up multiple times during the night. You just don't yeah. realize it. And so if I wake up, like I'll go to the bathroom or I'll go read a book for a little bit, but yeah, don't touch your phone. That's just not good. Yes. Yeah. 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 A couple of things I wanted to add there to some of your points you said before um, in regards to, um, I guess, in conjunction with removing the phone in the morning and at night is at night, something that I do is, I'll take time to write out the tick off list, my to-do list for the following day. And by doing that, I'm basically taking that anxiety and that worry that's in my mind, putting it on a bit of paper. And then I know that yes. I've got a plan for the next day. So I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then the other thing I do is, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. If anyone's just <laughs> listening, uh, Erica just pulled up her tick off list. I've got mine, but I've, I've got all my notes here. So I went flip to it. Always <laughs> close, handy by. Yeah. And the other one I do is like journaling at night, right? Like taking a little bit of time to just be 
list out the things that were awesome during the day so that I go to bed with a smile on my face and also to just kind of have a dialogue with myself and be like, you know, like this went wrong today. Like, how did that happen? Like, why did you put so much time in this Uh, instead of looking at my phone? So yeah, 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 that's, those are some good points. So at at the end of every podcast, uh, I do this thing called the four in one. So basically I ask you four questions and then you get to ask me one. I'm going to ask that your question isn't to do with why I do the podcast, because I think the past three or four people have asked that same question. So people are just going to keep getting the same answer. Um, sure. But I guess, I guess I'll kick into my questions for you. Um, first one is, if you had to be imbalanced in one area of your life, what area would you be unbalanced in? Uh, well, this is, you know, if, if we're looking at it from our theory, I, I think the better question maybe would be which area would I allot the least amount of time to? Because as I said, I think if you're in touch with all of them, you wouldn't be imbalanced provided it serves you. So do you mean like if I had to scrap one area completely? Yes. Yeah. Let's go with that. God, that's so hard because the reason I've devised the framework <laughs> in that way is because I think you need all of them. Um, probably fulfillment because if i could just have my health and my relationships i think i'd be pretty happy but you know work does give me so much energy so it's a bit of a tough one but yeah okay if i had to scrap one i'd just be you know lady of leisure then (laughs) living on a tropical island no worries in the world yeah just with my friends and my partner that sounds all right to me cool Cool. that's a good answer For anyone listening, obviously don't recommend being unbalanced. This is a bit of a fun question. Um, so next question, who is the f- your favorite guest that you've had on the podcast so far? And I know this is tough because uh, you don't want to offend anyone, but like, I think it's important to maybe highlight a couple of conversations that have really impacted you. Um, yeah. Personally. Yeah, that's a very hard question. Um, <laughs> It doesn't need to be your favorite guest. Uh, it could just be like the thing that stuck with you the most, right? Like there's certain conversations that I've had in uh, my podcast that have really stuck with me. Um, I think yeah. that's, that's okay to talk about, right? Yeah. Look, I think my most recent one, episode nine, I think um, the actual conversation with Coco's personal experience really brought out the theory in, in a different light. And she really, really took well to the concept and had a perfect living example of how balance doesn't have to be like a traditional equal split and how that's okay. And how she struggled with, you know, the fact that work was her, her main thriver in a way and, and how she then turned that around and started to really own that balance. And that's what I'm kind of all about. I'm about really owning and, and, accepting what your balance is at at the moment. So I think in terms of the concept and the framework that has really, really shone a new light on it and, and to just explain it in a completely different way. So that's been probably one of my favorite moments. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to link that episode in the description below as well. Uh, next question, the book that you are most excited to read next. So not one that you've read, but the one that you're most excited to read next. Probably the sequel to Sapiens. So I read the uh, first one. Amadeus. Loved it. Yes. Loved it. And I've heard such good things about the next two. So I'm really excited to read those next. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've read it. So I can tell you it's, yeah. Go in with a very open mind. 
um, and try not to be anxious. Cause some of the, some of the theories that he puts forward, like you're kind of like, Whoa, Holy crap. Like this actually yeah. could happen in the next, in my lifetime. And it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So last question for you. And then you get one for me, Erica. This one's a little bit, a little bit strange. So bear with me. You've been given sure. an elephant as a birthday present. You can't give it away or sell it. What would you do with the elephant? <laughs> if, if no one can see right now, Erica's reaction is great. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking because I live in an apartment, so I'd feel really slack having it in my apartment. Um, I can't give it away or sell it. I would lend it to someone who has a lot of space where it can be free. <laughs> An elephant farm. Yes. So I'm not giving away or selling. I'm, I'm lending it. That's okay. my way around that question. That's very clever. That's very, clever. That's, that's very legalese of you. You think you're a lawyer. Yes, it really is. Read between the words. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, that's, uh, that's all the questions I have for you, Erica. You've got one for me and then maybe... Um, once I've answered that question, you can kind of tell people where they can find you, how they can connect to your podcast and to you as a person. Sure. My question for you, what's been your most awkward moment in your podcast? Like while interviewing someone? Oh, that's a or really like, I guess, I guess kind of like stop and not sure what's happening next kind of moment. Oh. Maybe this is it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tough question. No, this is not awkward at all. Honestly, I don't think I've had like a super awkward moment while recording. I think I've had like maybe, maybe like a not a stuff up, but just something hasn't really gone right. Yeah. So okay. So, so recently, I recorded an entire podcast, or I thought I'd recorded an entire podcast. It was about an hour and a half long with with a guest and. Uh, the audio was completely fucked. So I had to oh, reach out. And, well, yeah, it's, and so that oh. was probably, that was probably the most awkward, I guess, because I had to reach out and just be like, this is my fuck up. Like, uh, I've totally screwed this. Yeah. And that sucks because the second time is never as organic, but yeah, it's amateur moments. I've been yeah, there too. <laughs> they happen. Interesting, actually. Do you still get nervous before you have guests on the podcast? Depends who they are. So I have interviewed a lot of people who I either know personally or I've known through someone. I think the people I've never met before and I'm meeting them for the first time as we're rolling, I do get a bit nervous before. Um, but then, you know, after the first five minutes, it kind of goes away. Yeah, that's true. I think I, think I still get like a little bit of, I wouldn't say they're nerves. I, I just get excited. Uh, but that kind It's kind of, of like a nervous energy. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, also, where can people listening find out about you as a person? And more importantly, where can they get hooked on your podcast, leave a shitload of amazing reviews and five-star ratings? Thank you. <laughs> um, so if they want to connect with me personally, my Instagram is at Erika, E-R-I-K-A-D-P-E-L-L-E. -E. Um, that is also it's linked in the bio of my podcast Instagram, which is at The Balance Theory. 
you can send me a DM if you want to chat further about anything we've discussed today um, or else the email is also in our bio if you feel more comfortable sending an email through. Um, the podcast is available on all streaming platforms, your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, a lot of the other ones like TuneIn, Cast FM, all of those. You can jump on our website to see which ones are available there. But thank you so much for your time. This has been really, really fun. It's been really nice getting to know you on a different level and just connect a little bit further too. 100%. I totally agree. I can't wait until post-COVID and I don't know, if you're in Melbourne or I'm in Sydney, we can sit down, have a coffee and just laugh together and even share a hug instead of a Zoom hug. Sorry? We can, have, we can have a couple of lattes. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. I like that. <laughs> cool, cool. And um, actually do lattes, so that would work. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And um, for anyone wanting to uh, get to those links, I'll put them in the description as well. But thank you so much, Erica. It's been amazing. I've learned a lot, so I think anyone listening has learned a lot too. Appreciate it. Thank you again for your time. Wow, what an incredible podcast. Uh, such a privilege to sit down with Erica from the Balance Theory podcast. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, if you want to follow Erica or if you want to subscribe to a podcast, those details are in the description below. Uh, if you want to follow uh, Couple of Lattes on Instagram, you can find us at Couple of Lattes or you can follow our main account at Massey, M-A-S-S-I-E underscore bros. Thanks so much for tuning in guys and we'll see you all next time for another episode of Couple of Lattes. <laughs>